You're listening to Board Game Bitch. I'm your host, Victoria Fraser, and we're going to talk about all things board games. Let's get started. Hello, folks. It's your friendly neighborhood, Victoria, here again, also known as the Board Game Bitch. (laughs) Uh, It's so fun to say. And uh, yeah, I am recording this today, publishing it today, because... Not gonna lie, I had a bit of a crazy week and I had a lot of work to do, but I'm almost cut up. I'm gonna be working over the long weekend, uh, but I'm also getting this podcast done because priorities. Uh, <laughs> so today we're gonna talk about one of my favorite micro games, and actually I don't really think I've covered too many micro games if I've done any at all yet. So hey, this is the perfect one to kind of touch on that whole mechanic and style of board game, which I really love. Um, so my favorite micro game. Yeah, it's basically one of my favorites is da, 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 Love Letter. If you've played this game, you already know why it's so amazing. And I'm not going to lie, it's pretty simple. It's a pretty short game. It's a micro game. So this might not be the longest episode, um, but I'm hoping it'll at least be a good 20 minutes of fun stuff for you guys. All right, let's dive in. So Love Letter is a card game. It has aspects of bluffing and uh, luck and play- player elimination. And it is also published by... AEG initially, although now I believe it's published by Z-Man Games. There was a bit of a change there. Essentially, the premise of the game is that you are a suitor trying to court the lovely Princess Annette because she has locked herself in her palace as her mom is currently, I think, up for treason or something. Um, She's going through some crazy family drama. It's the royal family or a royal family. So, you know, that's how that goes sometimes. Um, so you're trying to write her a love letter and get her attention and make her fall in love with you because you're a suitor trying to woo a princess. That's how it is. She's got a lot of suitors. And you got to compete with everybody else in the game to win her affections. So as I kind of touched on already, there's a couple of mechanics going on here. And we'll talk about two of them. Number one, I guess, is not a mechanic, but it's the style of board game, which it is a micro game. And this is actually not a new term, which I thought was very interesting because in my mind, micro games are relatively new. Um, but the first usage and like popularization of the term goes back to 1977 when metagaming concepts released a game called Ogre. Um, so that's kind of cool. In recent years, there's a lot of other micro games that have come out. There's also games like Citadels, which actually is also a relatively older micro game. I think it's a micro game personally. And yeah, so there are sort of also some debates about micro games and what qualifies them as a micro game. The best definition I could agree, think we could all agree on, is a more, it's a small board game that comes in a compact sort of set. And, you know, I want to say it's not, it's also like not complicated and it's usually quick to play, but I definitely have a couple micro games that are relatively complicated and can take a good hour or two to play. So that's not, I think, the best definition. So to keep it broad and to kind of qualify for everything, just a board game that comes in a small package and is just lots of fun. It can be short, it can be long, it can be simple, it can be complicated. Actually, fun, funny story. There was one thread I read where the person made a post proposing that all micro games should have this strict definition of having less than 20 components and they fit in like a box of 20 cubic inches or less. Why they were so obsessed with the number 20, I don't know. Uh, but I don't think those are the most important factors. I think really just it comes in a portable box and it's usually relatively 
short and light to play. But again, I can think of some exceptions. The other mechanic I already mentioned, and actually we've gone over many a time, is variable player characters, which I always love. Pretty much that means everyone has, you know, their own. everyone plays a different character and it changes and that gives you different skills. There's a lot of different player changing going on in this case or character playing characters that change. So, you know, it's a major component of this card game. That's the introduction and definitions. Let's jump into how to play. All right. So really simple. You deal one card, everyone, and then you discard one face down because there's only 16 cards of the game. So that kind of prevents at least some card counting, even though, you know, you can usually at the very end 50-50 guess which one it is. Whoever has gone on a date most recently goes first. If there's a tie, the younger player wins. Because obviously you might be playing this on like a double date night uh, or with your partner who you've gone on a date with most likely. <laughs> Not that I'm assuming anything, but just chances are. In that case, the younger player goes first. If you're twins, or not twins, but if you like had the same birthday as the person you were dating, I was trying to think, I was like, there's got to be a scenario that that, because you know, whenever there's a tiebreaker, you almost need like a double tiebreaker. Man, that'd be crazy. Anyways, this meeting distracted. You're just going to get down to the hour. Hopefully you aren't identical in that sense of the person you're dating. And if you are, strange, strange life you must live. But anyways, I love when games have a funny start player rule. And actually, they have start player rules because when they don't have them, you know, it's always like, okay, who goes first? 10 out of 10. Perfect. I love it. For actions, you have a little cheat sheet or a reference card that tells you what you can do, which is great. Uh, you only really have two options each turn because you have two cards. You draw a card. You look at your two cards. You look at the two characters. They're both uh, people who will deliver your letter to the princess. And you discard the one. And the one that's discarded, that's the action that you do. For example, a guard makes you guess another player's card. And if you're right, they, you know, die. They lose their card out of that round. So you discard, you keep one. That's it. And then that goes on until all 16 cards are played and the round ends. And the round can end before that if you've all just murdered each other. Um, but if you get to the end, the person who wins the round is the person with a higher car card number. So the closer they are to the princess, the higher the card number. So for example, a guard is a one because the guard's nowhere near the princess. And, you know, the countess is obviously her best friend. So she's very close to the princess and the princess herself is also in the game and she's the closest to her. That makes sense, obviously. Um, so yeah, um, be mindful of what you discard. We will talk about strategy later. Anyways, how to win the game overall. Obviously you win each round, but you play multiple rounds and you win tokens of affection and whoever has the most tokens of affection wins the game. And that depends on the number of players. So two players, you need seven tokens, three players, five tokens, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you lose when you're dead, when you lose the cards, or when you, you know, obviously didn't win her affection. And I do love the rule book. I highly recommend you read the rule book because it's so funny. And one of my favorite things is that um, I think when you win a token affection, it says something along the lines of, the princess spoke highly of you at breakfast. And that's why you won her affection. Actually, there's some other parts too. If you read it, I think the back, there's a whole lot of character stuff about each card and each role and like even the guard has a name uh which is impressive so yeah definitely read the real book it's hilarious i love it and the first time i played this game i was playing it with uh strangers at a board game night in university years ago and <laughs> i didn't understand why they were being so weird they were like every time they went around they'd be like the princess spoke highly of me at breakfast and they're like no cheating we don't cheat with knaves or play with knaves 
And I was just, okay, these, like, I appreciate that you're getting in character, but, but calm down, guys. It's just a board game. Turns out they were just quoting the, the rule book, and I didn't realize that at the time. Now I know. It's hilarious. I quote it myself all the time. So that's how to play. See, that didn't take very long. It's a very simple game. There are eight cards, though, so or eight different cards. 16 total cards, 18 eight characters, and I didn't talk about all eight of them because, you know, hopefully you can play the game and then come back and listen to this, and if you listened to it before, well... Sorry, <laughs> I'm not going to go into all of them. I got shit to do, people. I'm busy, but I'm making time for this because I care about it. I want it to do well. And I just love talking about board games. Oh, yeah, there's no guests this week because, uh, again, I was very busy and I dropped the ball a little bit. But, hey, you can listen to me. I, you like me, don't you? I hope so. <laughs> well, if you don't, don't tell me. Just, just go away quietly. Anyways, all right. <laughs> Let's talk about the reasons I love the game and the reasons I don't so love the game. Reasons I love it. Oh my gosh. Such a strong theme. Works so well with mechanics. You know, you know, the cards change because you're getting your card closer to someone else who might get it to the princess. So like, that's really interesting. I can't think of, I mean, I guess variable player mechanics usually work well with the story of the game. Um, but this one I do think works very well. Uh, and again, as I mentioned earlier, the characters all have amazing backgrounds and the drama, uh, if there was like a graphic novel or even just a short story, I mean, there kind of is one in the rule book, but like a longer thing detailing all of the stuff happening with this family, I'd be so into reading that. It's got great artwork and I could just see it being a really awesome, engaging, even like a short zine, like a small graphic novel. Maybe I'll do it. Hmm. Decisions. Anyways. <laughs> Another reason I love it is the playtime. It's really short. It is the perfect game for bringing to a bar, the beach, camping, or just playing between really hefty board games that take, like, hours. It's a good, like, or even if you're just drunk and you can't focus on anything complicated, you know? Um, I will say, even when I'm drunk, this game is too hard to play. <laughs> That's just because I drink too much beer. Um, yeah. Anyways, I like a short, easy micro game. If you don't like a short, easy micro game, you might not, you might not agree with me here. Um, so fair, fair enough. We all have different tastes. That's okay. But I'm the board game bitch and I'm right. <laughs> so then the other reason I love it is the simple mechanics because it's a really good intro game for people who never really played variable player characters. One other game that I really love is Citadels. And I sometimes find people get a little confused with that one because, you know, everyone has different roles and the roles change a lot and having to adapt to that can be a little hard for people if they're again like they've never played at that style of board game a lot of games have variable player mechanics nowadays and so i think it's less you know of a game that you need to a mechanic you need to introduce people to but i mean you never know maybe you're, you're playing with friends and it's their first time really getting into board games in which case it's good to kind of think of ways to introduce games to kind of grow naturally naturally and learn because you don't want to turn someone off of a game because there's just too many components that they never even experienced. That's, that's why I love it. I mean, there's really not a lot of reasons because it's not a very complicated game. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, the reasons I don't so love it, so my issues with game. Um, I really only put down two here. So <laughs> one is the dull components. <laughs> uh, that's the thing I've said before in other games too. I think this is just the version I have or that I've played anyways is... The tokens of affection are little red cubes. One, they're hard, easy to lose because they're so small. And two, they're boring. I just, uh, I get it. It's cheap to use wooden small cubes, but I would love them to be at least heart-shaped 
or some other like little envelopes. Oh my gosh. If they were actual love letters, that would be so cute. <gasps> Maybe I'll just make my own love letters out of like clay. Mm, yeah, I could do that. Anyways, that is my opinion on the components. I know that's really silly and nitpicky, but hey, if you're going to make such a small, simple game, you could at least, you know, splurge in the quality of the pieces a little bit. There's only so many pieces. You might as well make them nice. This is a minor because again, I love this game. So I have to be kind of nitpicky. Um, yeah. The other reason I don't so love the game is the luck factor. And I think that's generally agreed upon with everyone because there is a lot of luck. Some people say it plays itself. I do flat out disagree with that. I think you can trick each other and you can bluff in some ways to win, but it's probably honestly like 80% luck, 20% of messing with each other. Yeah, I don't know. And that's just me throwing out numbers. I have no idea <laughs> if there's a way to calculate how luck-based it is, but it is very heavily luck-based. But again, this is a micro game. You play it when you are, you know, have had too many beers and you're not really worried about who wins and it's just a lighthearted game. And actually, because there's so much luck, it's kind of nice because even, I think the first time I played it, I just kept losing and I didn't win a single token of affection. The princess was not a lesbian. It was very upsetting. But then in the very end, you know, it started to level out statistically and I did win a couple uh, tokens of affection. And so I felt less bad. So yeah, I loved this game, even though I lost terribly the first time. So there you go. It's, it's a good one. Anyways, that's my only complaints. There's probably a lot of other complaints other people have, but I, I don't really have that many. It's it's good. For what it is, if you respect the style of game that it is, you know, it does it very well. So I'm not going to go too harsh on it because I just also love it. <laughs> All right. So that means we come into the fun part, which is strategies, which because I said it is so luck-based, yeah, there's not a lot of them. However, um, I wanted to cover three things that I think are really important when I play and when I've played with my friends. So Strategy number one, deflect, deflect, deflect. You're the princess. No, you're the princess. No, you're the princess. Basically, if you have a high value card, or especially if you have the princess, you want no one to know. You need to deflect and start accusing other people so that they don't think you have it. This works with, you know, any card, really. I usually, well, actually, in the very beginning when I was first playing this game, I would usually discard the lower card and keep the higher card. And one time, I did, you know accused my friend of having the king but I was drunk so then I corrected myself five seconds later being like oh no shit I have the king and then they all laughed and then I realized that would have been really smart for me to accuse him of having the king because then it would say that I don't and I'd be safe if he guessed that I had it anyways it would have been really smart except that I was obviously too drunk and I ruined it <laughs> uh, I think I did twice in one game actually I had a couple beers that night it happens so deflect if you have a high value card, you don't want people guessing it. So, you know, try and trick them. That's where the bluffing kind of comes in. Another strategy that we can go over is don't keep your high card. I know. I know. This is the opposite of what you'll notice when you play the game is you tend to get rid of the low card, keep the high card. Don't keep the high card. Get rid of the high card. Keep the low card. Obviously, you can't. You can't discard the princess. So you have to keep her, which is why she's actually really annoying. But anyways, you know, a lot of the time people will have like a guard and they'll have like a prince and they're like, well, I'm going to discard the guard because the prince is more important. But when you think about it, at the end of the game, the highest cards are, you know, the princess, the countess, and the king are the top three. Um, you need one of those three, like most likely to win. If you don't have any of those, there's really no sense in keeping it because you're just, and also you turn cards so fast throughout the game. With every turn you're drawing one card, you're discarding a card, right? There's really no sense keeping a prince or anything less, really less than that, because 
you'd rather just kill everybody. <laughs> so I don't know. That's my own take. I used to always play that. I think a lot of people play the, that strategy that's very basic of keeping the low card, but you, you just use it, especially because keeping the guard is actually a good move because the higher cards can actually give you information, especially later on, of what other people have if you're paying attention to what's discarded. So, you know, having a guard is actually really powerful because you can murder them. Anyway, little hot tip there, which is the reverse of what you'll probably do when you first play the game. So, hey, if you listen to this before ever playing it, you already got a leg up on the competition. You're welcome. Okay, third strategy. More players means you're more likely to survive. I didn't really name that strategy very well, but listen, I threw this together very quickly. I didn't have a lot of time. So with a two-player game, you will never make it to the end. Like, almost never, because, you know, with all the cards, it's very much easier to kill each other uh, in the end. So the round ends before, obviously, you've used all 16 cards because one of you is out. Uh, with more players, so three or four players, which is how many the game goes up to is four, um, the deck probably will run out. Well, more likely anyways. And there's a higher chance to get to the end, which means you do want to keep a higher card. So... Keep that in mind if you're playing a two-player versus a four-player game because there's slightly different strategies and how you can survive and what cards you want to keep. Um, yeah, that's just a small tip right there. And there you are. That's it. Oh my goodness, we actually almost hit 20 whole minutes. Wow, this game was, episode was longer than I expected. All right, that's pretty much everything you need to know. There are some more strategies. Oh, I forgot one other thing. Actually, this kind of falls into house rules bonus section special house rules for you guys today only one uh, because there is some disagreement here in my own game groups and i like to play it one way but other people like to play it the other way from what i read online most people well some people play my way some people play the other way every time i play with a group everyone decides whatever they decide so one combination that i truly despise is when you have the king and the princess in your hand the princess if you discard her you die so if someone plays a card that makes you discard the princess, you can't draw a new card. Often you can sometimes draw a new card. You can't. She dead. You lose. When you have the king in your hand, you trade, you discard the king, and you trade the card in your hand with someone else. The princess is not technically discarded because she's not face down on the table. She's still active, even if she's not in your hand. I argue, therefore, you don't die. But for a long time, I played this game with, you know, my ex and my friends, and we considered her discarded and therefore dead and you know that person who would trade the princess would lose her and the other person got the king the card the king. anyways it was very confusing and i go by the the wording of the game which tells you she's being traded and not discarded because that's a very different action right so it seems other people online play that as well so my house rules that she's traded she's not discarded because also if you play the king and you trade the princess to someone that person is so dead like, everyone knows they have a princess. You know, well, you certainly know, probably. Everyone knows, though. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how I play. You can play it the other way, which is she's been discarded, but I don't think that makes sense, personally. I could not, I did not verify online if that's the correct way, but I'm going to assume my way is the correct way, because that's how I play it. So, that's all that matters. <laughs> Again, this is the board game, bitch. Thank you guys for listening, and hopefully I'll have more guests in the future, but today it's just a little of me again. But that's okay. We go way back, like eight whole episodes. And if you really like the show, you can follow us on us being me. <laughs> follow me on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. I did make a Reddit community, but I have not started maintaining it yet. So don't go there. Oh, 
And actually, there is going to be blogs on Medium. You can search board game bitch, board game BTCH because I'm censored. I made it the same on everything from now on. It's really frustrating that I can't use the word bitch on the internet. But hey, you know what? Fine. Be that way. Yeah. Oh, and if you really like it, also something that helps us out as podcasters is when you review on Podchaser and on iTunes. Or, you know, just send me a nice message if you're, for some reason, you don't want to write a review. Fine. Just be like, hey, I like the show. You're cool. And I'll be like, OMG, you're the best. Ah! Anyways. <laughs> That's it for today. I'm just happy I made this episode and actually got out there technically on time on the day that it was supposed to go out. So, thanks for listening. I'll see you again in two weeks, hopefully with a guest. <laughs> Bye, guys. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.